This episode, like every episode of Off the Rack, was recorded before a live audience at Comic Pop on YouTube. Join the conversation by subscribing to youtube.com slash comic pop or comic pop returns on YouTube. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Off the Rack, the show where usually two of us take the books from last week, talk to you guys about them, tell you what we thought about them, and then at the end of the show, we give you some recommendations for this week. However, Today I am flying solo um, because our intrepid leader, Sal, fortunately is not feeling well. He just got his booster um, and we had a feeling it might take, bring him down for the count, but uh, it did. Um, so what he did do, those who are looking for Sal's hot takes on comics this week and are disappointed to not get it, he did give me um, some reviews of the books that he read as well. And I'm sure that he'll be elsewhere to... Um, fill you in some more and if need be he might even pop on but he was not feeling so great um when i left when i left him um so i apologize for his being late that's totally on me (laughs) but here we are the show must go on and so it shall um i'm gonna chat about a bunch of books i read i'm gonna pepper in some of sal's reviews as well so that we just get a solid blend but before we even start that of course i want to give the standard uh sal uh start to this i guess and say that this show is of course brought to you today by viewers like you and if you would like to um participate in that feel free to drop super chat in i will read it and i will um talk about it but probably not as well as sal would but let's let's start it off anyway with dan v 900 uh saying tiffany were you able to finish catwoman lonely city if so what do you think cliff chang with uh john suntress the idea uh, said with John Centris, the idea is old is an older Selena from the Brewbreaker Cook run, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. No, absolutely, and um, I totally get that vibe. I, I think it's interesting because uh, when I went to the Brian K. Vaughn panel, he mentioned that like he'd love to work with Cliff again, but Cliff, of course, now is writing and doing art all on his own, and he's like, "This is what happens. The artist finds out that they don't need the writer." And I think it's not true. I think that writers are still a hundred percent needed. They bring something completely different to the table. Um, but I thought that was pretty funny that he was like, "Oh no, I've lost another one," and hopefully Fiona Staples doesn't realize that she could might be able to write. Uh, Brian Rowland, thank you uh, for your super chat saying uh, the Halloween theme back issues and Elseworlds Exchange were fantastic last week. Great job as always. It's Sal and Jill knocked out of the part with a great Elseworlds Exchange. If you get a chance to check it out, it's like it's like here, but like wait till the show's over. But then for sure, go check it out. They talked about about um, monsters in comics. Uh, what makes a monster? What doesn't make a monster? The, I, the chat was really going on that episode. So check it out if you get the opportunity. And then also, Nathan E., thank you for your super chat saying, out of work early so I get to tune in. Sorry, it's not a normal episode. Sorry. Um, uh, would Comic Pop ever consider covering a JSA book given the semi-resurgence of DC Elder Statesman, maybe part of John's run? Uh, thanks for being great. Well, thank you for being great. And uh, I'm going to say for Sal, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, he could do it. It's fine. He's He's got this. <laughs> Oh, this is a, that is a funny statement that I really did no more mutants this uh, possibly. Who knows? Uh, we'll see if they come back. Sean Conwell, uh, thank you for your uh, super chat saying can't stay, but congrats on the Halloween episode. Well, thank you very, very much for that. Great costumes and love me some Lovecraft. Hope DC uh, V Vampires and Marvel's Dracula events turn out well. You're getting a lot of um, spooky content. Uh, Presumably some of this may be geared a little bit more towards October, but we got a lot at the end of the month, which is fine. I think it's prime spooky season. Unfortunately, this is a heavy week. Um, So if your wallets were hurting, so was mine. Uh, So we're going to talk about just a handful of the books that came out this week, because honestly, it was a lot. And what I'm going to recommend for you is if you weren't able to grab all of your favorite books this week, if next week you find that you're a little lighter on the books you're looking to pick up, go back and check out what you missed from last week, because I'm sure there's something there because I literally was like overwhelmed by the number of books and things that I desperately wanted to pick up uh, this past week. It was just a lot. And then the week before that was like nothing. So I don't know. Somehow the funds didn't quite add up. I don't know why, but here we go. Here we go. Um, and Elizabeth Russell, thank you for saying, uh, hey, Tiffany, I was wondering if you had a chance to read Task Force Z. So far, I'm enjoying it. Let's let's chat about that. Let's like make that our uh, first jumping in point uh, for talking about some reviews. 
because I do have a little bit of insight from Sal as well on this book. Let's try Let's try sharing, folks. Let's try sharing this screen. Um, yes, this one. I've done it. Check it out. Look at that. There it is. Task Force Z, uh, written by uh, Matthew Rosenberg with art by, I believe it's Eddie Barrows. So this book really came out of nowhere for me. I don't know about you, but like I saw that the uh, uh, DC versus Vampires book was coming out and I was like, cool. And then they're like, and also like a zombie book. And I'm like, oh, I guess because October or because maybe this is just a story people wanted to tell or Matt Rosenberg wanted to tell. I'm not sure. Uh, it takes the concept of Task Force X or the Suicide Squad and turns it on its ear a little bit. Instead of having your standard team of uh, vigilantes and villains under the heel of Amanda Waller, this time we've got a bunch of characters who had died and some who haven't. Debatable on one of them, at least. Um, and they're being sent out to accomplish certain goals or tasks uh presumably is this in continuity yeah it is it's weird this book is seemingly set in continuity which to me is both cool because they're gonna have to dance around um certain character growth and the fact that they're they're using zombies and i don't know if there's going to be an ethical question of that or not and literally hanging over whether or not they continue to be zombies or or let die. I mean, like, inevitably, I feel like they'd be like, oh, just let me die because this is worse. I don't know. Um, but also the fact that it is in continuity, there's like less danger, kind of. Like, they're like, well, you know, in an out of continuity book, anything could happen. And so you get that emotional gut punch. However, you also know that it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. So it's like this balancing act. Um, this book's the the team is led by Jason Todd. Uh, it's got Bane, Man Bat, the Arkham Knight uh sundowner who we haven't seen yet and mr bloom mr bloom literally a character i recently have been talking about uh because i was like where is mr bloom what happened to him he showed up didn't really do anything and he's here however he proclaims he's not dead he's not dead just like jason todd isn't dead Jason Todd's has his own fair share of resurrection. So I thought that was kind of funny that he was there. Uh, I would have also accepted, by the way, if they decided to put Resurrection Man as the lead for this team. But Jason Todd is in charge of this team of um, undead villains and vigilantes who are presumably carrying out missions for some greater good or not greater good, utilizing um, Lazarus formula. And they are broken down almost into like Scooby snacks. I think they call it uh, Lazarus resin. And the Man Bat, Bane, Arkham Knight are kept in line by like being like, you want one of these? You want one of these little like resin Scooby snacks? Then like you better fall in place and you don't kill people and you don't do this. They can't help themselves. They're still driven by hunger. They, they need to feed. Uh, Mr. Bloom is wearing a control collar as we find out later in the book. And so his powers are severely dampened, which is kind of like, why is he even on this book or like in this book then? Uh, the art, I think, is great. I, it's got a really solid style to it. Uh, whoever's inking this, I think it's uh, Ever Ferreira. Great job with the inks. A lot of solid cross hatching in here. A lot of deep shadows giving that like solid feel to a horror book. Story wise, this first issue didn't grab me quite like another horror book came out this week did, but that doesn't mean I'm off of it. I'm just saying it wasn't so like gripping for me. I will say that Sal, according to, to his take on uh, this, oops, that's my Slack window. Don't want to sh share that with you. Well, that's fine if I do. Um, says, uh, where is it? Where is it? Says, pass. No more for me. Thanks. I'm guessing he wasn't a fan. And I had a feeling reading this one that this was not going to be his favorite out of the two sort of like DC horror books that came out this week. It was fine. It was just fine. It wasn't really story-wise super strong, but that doesn't mean that like in the next issue, it can't pick right up because I think there's a lot that they could do with a story involving a super questionable team. Like the Suicide Squad is already a very ethically questionable team. And then on top of it, you're like, let's add 
the concept of resurrecting someone and then utilizing them by holding over their ability to either die and move on or to be reborn. So not, not, not for me, a hundred percent, but like I said, I will at least give it one more. That's typically my MO except for Batman Catwoman. That one I dropped after the first issue, just, I couldn't get into it. Uh, But this one I give another shot to. So it was totally okay. And I left this up forever because I'm new to this version of streaming. There we go. Um, okay. Let's also talk about um, Daredevil number 35. Just a quick sour view. Uh, Daredevil is, as always, fantastic. And he can't wait for the event. Daredevil has been a book that I know that Sal has been talking about with like great, great passion. So much so that I desperately kind of want to pick it up and read it myself. Um, I know he always has like a on again, off again relationship with Matt. And I think Chip Zdarsky really just hit it home for him. So you've heard him say it before, but if you want to jump into Daredevil, just go back to the beginning. It's worth the adventure. It's worth the read. Uh, Sal can't get enough of this book and Chichetto's art on it is easily some of Sal's favorite art uh, in recent memory. So I, it's high praise. Go out, go grab it. Uh, I want to talk about really quickly a book that like I was convinced I was like, this, it hasn't come out in months and months and months. And then I realized that I hadn't actually picked one up uh, in a bit. So let's uh, talk about Wonder Girl. I missed issue three. Apparently I just missed it. So we're talking about Wonder Girl issue four by Joelle Jones uh, with a little art help along the way because as we know it takes jones quite a while to put together a book and a page that's fine i i'm willing to wait but i get that the comics they gotta move on wonder girl is going to be involved in a an upcoming wonder woman-esque event um so she's getting some help by uh andrea mello this book is literally just unveiling for us the journey of Yara Floor and how she's going to fit into the pantheon of wonder woman we were introduced to her obviously in the future state her character for me really, I was attached to it, really spoke to me. I loved the art, of course, by Jones. That was part of it, I think, because I'm sure I would have checked this book out with a different artist, a lesser artist, but Jones' art is just, it's spectacular. It's its to die for. Um, and it continues to be, I... Um, I lament the pages in these books that are not drawn by Jones, but I also appreciate the fact that this is this a business. They got to get this book to come out. It has to fit in within a timeline. So that's fine. Um, we see Yara exploring Olympus in the previous issue. Uh, Eros came and uh, shot her with an arrow in that he stabbed her with it, essentially. And she was taken from Earth to go to Mount Olympus to train to become essentially the like guardian of Hera, the champion of Hera. And that's kind of what a lot of the other Amazonians from Earth who have been seeking her out are trying to prevent. Uh, she she befriends her Pegasus friend. Um, she learns how to fight. She learns history. She learns philosophy. She learns it all and has a choice at the end of this issue, whether or not she will go and become Hera's champion and potentially screw over everything or if she will actually go and follow her lineage because we discover that her mother was in fact an amazon who left the um breaking of the amazons the those who went to themiscara those who went to egypt she was on her own an adventurous sort just like yara she found um a tribe in south america ended up joining them and they're trying to build their numbers back up after a, a great um defeat of them and they're like it's time yara it's time for you to come back so she's got these two warring sides to her character and her lineage so i'm interested to see where this is going to go and how it will fit in in particular with diana diana's return of course and all of the kind of like wonder characters that are, are currently running in dc so for me this is still a solid pickup but i understand that for a lot of folk uh a i completely missed a book because it's so the gap's so large in when these issues come out um but like i said joelle jones's art is worth it to me i just kind of wish they had done this more as an original graphic novel but i know that may not fit with their event that they've got coming up but solid solid pick for me i like it and uh yeah Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I want to say thank you to Novus. Saying happy belated Halloween 
Tiffany. Well, thank you. And happy belated Halloween to you all. Uh, have I read Echo Lands? I generally feel like it's right up your alley. It's really great so far, and the art is fire. Well, thank you so much. That sounds familiar, but I don't believe I've read it, but I will definitely I'll note it, and I'll, I'll check it out the next time I'm floating around Comixology or in my local comic book store. So thank you so much. Um, let's see what else we got. Uh, oh, Sal Red Detective uh, 1044 saying it's cool and Mora's art is great, but it's very similar to what Tamaki's done already. Easily skippable, but a welcome change from the main Bat book. There you go. Sal's pick for Batman books right now kind of has been Detective between the main two. Not all of the, not in the grand scheme of the amount of Bat books that are coming out, but with Detective, kind of been his overall jam. Um, because not really digging what Tynan's doing right now. Honestly, I've been off Batman for a while. Uh, I am kind of looking to, to see what comes next for Batman, for sure. So I'm excited for the next writer on Batman to see what they bring to the table. And hopefully it's something, something pretty dope. Um, let's chat about Moon Knight real quick. This is a book that I didn't expect to keep on. But here we are at Moon Knight number four, written by Jed McKay with art by uh, Alessandro Capuccio. I'm kind of really digging on this book, even though in this issue for like a hot second, I was like, oh my gosh, we're just doing what Tynan did to Batman by taking all his money away. It's like threatened in this book and then immediately resolved. And I really, really appreciated that because I was like, come on, don't just do what they just did over there with a character who would probably would affect quite a bit more. Um, but no, it's almost like a wink and a nod and like a little joke kind of um, this, this issue also is it's a little emotional in a way they, they really get to a bit more of Mark's pain in this. And um, it's kind of through the like humorous lens of Tigra showing up in this book and their connection on the West coast Avengers. Um, the fact that he won't take his mask off. We get a lot about the mask in this issue, what it means. Obviously he has that therapist who's seeing him and she is a superhero therapist. So he's like, I don't understand why you're so interested in why I'm wearing this mask. Why I won't take it off. Don't, don't all of your clients do that. Don't all of them want to hide their identity. She's like, sure, but it's really the reason behind it. Like, why do you want to keep it on? And essentially he says that like, Mark is a nobody, but like the fist of Khonshu, he means something to people. He he's needed. Um, and so regardless of um, his identity disorder, um, he feels as though being Moon Knight is the thing that helps with the most people. And so he keeps the mask on because what's underneath it doesn't matter. We get a fun little adventure romp that really is just there um, to punctuate Mark's commitment to being Moon Knight, to being a priest of of Khonshu, um, and in in order to give us a fun fight sequence and some really great looking art in this book. Uh, Mark presumably has lost quite a bit of money, but we'll see if that gets wrapped up in the next issue, if they address that at all, if it's not worth it. Um, but for me, the emotional crux of this issue la uh, lies in the last few pages where he and Tiger are sitting on the roof and she's like, you're different. Like, you're not the same as you were. Like, what's going on? What's under that mask? And he takes it off. And it's just like the like the battered and beaten face of Mark Spector. Um, and the reason that, like, he wants to wear the mask all the time isn't just because of his devotion to being Moon Knight and making the world a better place, but because he doesn't want to look himself in the face anymore. And and then they hug. And it's super sweet um, because it's Tiger. So she, like, hugs him. But then also her tail wraps around him. And I thought that was pretty adorable. Um, and so I'm not saying that this is like wrapping up an arc because the way in which McKay is telling this story is, is sort of interesting because we've had like a, like, oh, who's the shadowy figure here? Oh, who's the shadowy figure here? And then we keep kind of discovering who the shadowy figures are, but we're only on issue four. Um, so I feel like something bigger might be brewing for Moon Knight. I think this is a pretty good uh, series to like get your feet wet if you have any interest in Moon Knight, not that listen, I don't want to say anything against like the Lemire run because feel free to go grab that as well. But if right now you're looking to pick up something current and running right now, just something that you want to have on a monthly basis, I think this is a pretty easy entry point, but feel free to correct me if, if I'm wrong on that one. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, Kings Port Cal 
thank you for your super chat saying if Sal and Jill are my comic bros, then you are my comic sister-in-law. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Is saying folk a Jersey thing? Also, give me a good indie pick to check out. Bamf. Uh, good indie pick. I mean, you know, my current pickups uh, would be, um, you could grab Once in Future, but go back to the beginning. You could grab... Um, we only find them when they're dead. You could grab um, the Me You Love in the Dark, which is a solid one. I just picked up one, but I haven't had a chance to check it out. It's a it's a mini uh, called Maw, so I'm gonna check that out. Uh, folk, I I don't know. I don't know if it's a Jersey thing or not. I know it's one of those things that like I use sometimes because I hear coworkers using it, and so like I've kind of adapted it into my own vernacular. But it just it's something to say instead of guys. Because I say guys a lot, referring to anyone and everyone. So so folk. Hey folk. What's up, folk? I don't know. <laughs> are you or are you not all folk, I suppose? <laughs> yes, Department of Truth, also very good. Uh they are two volumes in. Like a lot of these, they've been longer running, but they're still solid, solid entries for indie books. Trust me, there's something out there for you. Absolutely. So good. Uh, let's go over to check out some more, uh, Sal, uh, reviews here. Uh, all right. Amazing Spider-Man number 77, uh, was pretty fun, but didn't cover a lot of ground. The art was a shocking departure from what I've seen from Pacelli. Cover was the best part. Um, I'll be honest. I was there when he was reading this book and he was really not feeling the art. And I thought I had seen Pacelli's name on the book. And so I was kind of glancing over to her shoulder and I was like, well, that can't be her. That can't be her art because I remember Sarah Pacelli having a very slick, sleek look to her art. And some of the art that I saw in Spider-Man 77 looked a little clunky, looked a little bit clunky and just not her caliber. And I don't know if that's just, maybe she's lost a step or maybe the inker was just the wrong inker because an inker, the wrong inker on some solid pencils wrecks it, just totally wrecks it. But I don't know. I don't know. For sure. Uh, oh, uh, to answer the question, is Sal okay? He is fine. He got his booster today, and so he's just feeling a little under the weather. Uh, so I'm here today to keep the show going and running along here. Uh, Dan V900, uh, thank you so much for your super chat saying, so how is it with pronouncing Constantine the correct way? I always pronounced it as teen, which was fun as an American way in early Hellblazer issues. Tyne is still weird for me. It's still weird for me too. And I have to actively uh, tell my brain to make that change. It's very, very hard when it comes, at least for me, um, when it comes to like the sound of something to adjust that after learning that it's not that way, but it will take me some time and hopefully one day I might be able to do it. But for me, it's, I want to say Constantine so, so badly, even though I know in my heart of hearts, it's Constantine. Constantine. I, I was told by Garth Ennis that Alan Moore says Constantine and and that's it. <laughs> so I have to, I have to stick to it. I have to stick to it, even though I've got such a hard time with it. Uh, let's chat a little bit about sword this week. Uh, a couple of X-Men titles. I didn't pick up Wolverine. I think I'm off that book for right now. I'm going to take a little Wolverine break. I honestly wasn't feeling the art that I saw in it. Um, but that doesn't mean I still won't pick up the random Wolverine issue based on what's going on. Um, but course i was going to pick up my sword uh that's al ewing with uh jacopo camagni on art so sword's been an interesting book it launched right around the time that they started doing um the massive null event and it became a tie-in and then it became a tie-in again uh to its own um x-men events and so we haven't had a whole lot of just sword getting to be sword and we're finally getting into a period right now where sword gets to be sword which i very much appreciate just getting to uh, enjoy the adventures of abigail brand and her crew now of course since sword has launched now not only is sword taking care of earth and the soul system but also Araco. So they've kind of had to grow as a team. Cable has been uh, introduced as a second in command for uh, Abigail Brandt, initially selected because it was the younger Cable who would be involved. But he has since left. And the elder statesman Cable is here. And uh, Jean's off the council. Scott is no longer a captain. And so Abigail's 
hopeful foothold into the quiet council is now gone and she's just dealing with an older cable who's a lot more knowledgeable and might be able to see through what she's working on so abigail's got to watch her step storm has become the regent of araco and she's constantly challenged by uh the denizens of araco for her spot because they don't think a Krakoan should have it. She did win over Tarn in the last issue, but she still has to face the cha occasional challenge here and there. A challenge to the death, of course. Um, and then they're also dealing with the, just the general people are interested. Like aliens are interested in what's going on in the soul system. They're interested in Araco. They're interested in what the mutants are doing. And they have diplomats coming, including um, the... Zandra from uh, the Shi'ar Empire. We met her in, I believe it was Rogue and Gambit, or was it Mr. and Mrs. X? I think it was Mr. and Mrs. X after they were married. Um, and she's now in charge of things. She comes with a delegation of guardians and such, and immediately is attacked. Uh, immediately attacked by the Lethal Legion, well, the new Lethal Legion, which is a series of robots and uh, telepaths and telekinetic individuals, all different sorts of powers. Very much makes me think of Tarn and his and his folk, but I guess the theme here is uh, individual teams of superpowered, in, like like beings who are specialized and being tinkered to be certain things. That's very much what Tarn's people are. That's what the Lethal Legion is, and that's what the potential is for how they're bringing mutants back. Is to allow you to fix this or that. You could change your hair, you could change this, they could boost your power, they could do this, they could do that. So it's very um, sort of like genetic, designer genetics, for sure. Uh, which is a scary thing, I'm sure, for a lot of humans. Um, and for the X-Men, or for mutants in general, you know, some of them, I'm sure, are into it, but others are like, I want to make sure I come back as I am. So we're just constantly reminded of that. Um, a pretty, you know, epic fight breaks out and most of Xandra's uh, guardians are taken down uh, in horrific, horrific ways. But that's when Storm comes, like, shows up and as an Omega-level mutant, she quickly uh, takes down the threat. Um, but the threat was only an outward threat. As we know um, from past issues of S.W.O.R.D., there is a mole within S.W.O.R.D., and we've been desperately trying to figure out who it was in between having tie-ins and other random um, individual uh, issues of like certain characters. Um, but this time, not only do we find out who the mole is, but we get to see Gyrick, um bringing in uh, a bit of Alpha Flight. And... Um, the question there of like Alpha Flight's in, like involvement with Logan in the past. So when and if that ends up showing up in the Wolverine book, for sure, I'm going to gravitate back towards that um, because I think that might end up playing a role, at least in terms of what Gyrick is trying desperately to make happen. Um, but we discover spoilers for those who don't want to know we discover who the mole is and it's Wizkid. And I'm like, yeah, actually that makes very much sense. Wizkid being behind a lot of the uh, tech on sword, a lot of the security on sword in terms of, um, you know, computers and, and all of that. So totally makes sense that it's him, but also complete um, kind of a, a huge issue there for them, for him to be the mole uh, for them. This week was rough for X-Men. I feel like <laughs> it really was not an easy week for them, for the mutants in general. Um, a lot of, hits kept on coming and we'll talk more about that very soon um but first i want to say thank you to robert h for saying hey tip there's a book i've been meaning to shout out to you for a while transformers king grimlock it's basically conan if you're a giant robot that turns into a dinosaur well that kind of sounds good that kind of sounds good right why not <laughs> i would be down for that so i i don't know you all have to check that out uh, I'm going to look over and what am I going to do next? This is usually where Sal would come in and vamp for me and be like, blah, blah, blah. We're going to do this. Um, I think this is like going to end up being a little bit of a short episode too, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, we can, we can make this work. So I think what we're going to talk about is DC versus vampires. Um, Sal's got to take on this as well. And for me, between this and Task Force Z, DC Vampires kind of edged it out. I don't know if that's just because it's in its own little world. I believe it is. I believe it's its own continuity and not within continuity. 
Uh, Sal had this to say about it, um, about as much circular talking as I've come to expect from vampire fiction. It's fine. But in the wake of DC's, I don't know. I expected more arts. Good twist at the end was expected, but welcome. So there you go for that one. Um, Honestly, like I kind of dug this issue of uh, DC versus Vampire. I thought the art was great. Uh, I feel like Matt Rosenberg is kind of hit or miss for me, but like Matt Rosenberg and Tynan, I think is a really good um, pairing. And I think they really play off of one another quite well. So that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Um, and um I feel like the, uh, I believe it's Otto Schmidt art is pretty well suited to this. It's got like a slick modern feel. And I think it has something to do with the coloring of it. And um, it's like, so like DC's, listen, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's a really uh, great entry into the like Elseworlds sort of stories in the DC universe. Um, but like, I don't know, some about vampires, I they can be completely overly dramatic and ridiculous to like it's kind of fun and, and I'm totally all right with it and I'm gonna just have to just gonna accept it it's it's good don't worry about it and that's kind of how I felt about this it's like we're we're dealing with vampires and it, it's exactly what I've come to expect from um vampire sort of work except I thought it was a little less dramatic than I guess how Sal felt about it um we see I vampire um seeking out the Justice League, seeking out for help because uh, the ruler of the vampires uh, has perished. And that was basically the only thing keeping vampires from waging war on humanity. And so in the wake of that and in the wake of humanity facing a potential um, extinction level event, they um, he, he seeks out help. Hang on a second trying really really hard to oh, i can't i can't get back at the sales account it's fine um <laughs> he he ends up um making his way to the avengers or the avengers to the justice league but he has to do so during the day because he knows he's being followed and who's being followed by are vampires and so he's keeping himself wrapped up which immediately made me think of doom patrol but fine he makes his way to the justice league and um outside ends up almost you know being burnt alive Hal brings him inside to the Justice League where he um, is being treated for his wounds and telling his story about how this is what happened. Uh, you know, she was killed and Hal immediately is like, did you kill her? Because I know that you're not a fan. And he's like, no, I didn't kill her. It wasn't me. It was someone else. And uh, it's a real honest issue here. So he ended up tracking the killer down and found his way to the Legion of Doom, where upon entering the Legion, he discovered the bodies of many villains and uh, also a still alive Lex Luthor. Luthor is pretty desperate um, to kill him, realizes he's not in the same boat as the other vampires and is like, you have to you have to like go to the Justice League, take my blood with you, and they'll be able to help you to stop this. Because trust me, like, this isn't the end of this. There's a whole plan here. And there's, like, literally, like, a... Not quite a Pepe Sylvia level of board, but there's a board with a plan. And there's, like, a thing to block the sun so that, like, it'll be dark on Earth all the time and the vampires can roam free. It's... It's exactly... It's exactly as ridiculous as you think it would be. Um, so he does make his way out. We see that a few of the villains from the, the Legion of Doom have um, have turned. Um, so there's like a vampiric scarecrow and there's like a vampiric gorilla garage. And um, he ends up at the league and um zon is also there from the wonder twins which i thought was kind of a funny pull and i was i thought this was going to go one way versus the way it ended up going um it turns out the vampires have already made their way into the league and one of the two individuals who is with a vampire is is in fact a vampire and they are to find out what he knows and in order to um take him down and it turns out it's Hal, and uh, he uses his ring to create a blender for um, Zahn. And Zahn? Is it Zahn? I don't know. And um, ends up killing him. And it's a, a pretty horrific way that is not depicted in such a gory graphic way just because of the art style itself. Uh, 
the question, of course, is how did Hal go outside? How could he possibly go outside? The, the sun was up. Well, he, it's his ring. It always is. And um, he ends up uh, killing I Vampire. But that's fine because it wasn't the fact that he needed to go to the Justice League. It's really that he needed to get this information to Batman. Um, because if you're, if, listen, if you need to have someone plan ahead and take care of a like world ending event that involves preparation and science, you're probably going to want to go to Batman anyway. So, uh, we've brought Batman into the fold and I honestly, based on that last page, I'm like, is, is, is either of them like a vampire at this point? It's so silly to say these things out loud. Um, <laughs> now that I'm saying vampire over and over again, I realize how kind of silly this book is, but maybe it's just what I was looking for this week. Maybe I was looking for a little bit of camp, a little bit of ridiculousness. Um, and so I did get it there. So I'm, I'm probably going to keep going with this one again. I really like the art in this book quite a bit. It's got that like slick look, really modern looking colors. Um, it's just fun looking, even though it's like such a possibly dark and dismal, um, idea behind this book uh it's also going to pit batman up against the supernatural which i said it before and i'll say it again i love when batman is has to deal with magic or the supernatural or anything like that because presumably he despises it he despises it so so much um <laughs> so i look forward to learning more about that also batman has been a vampire at least in another elseworld story in which you know red rain became a really dope looking vampire so it's kind of cool uh yeah <laughs> that's all i got for that so if that sounds like up your alley check it out otherwise this might be a good trade weight for some folk uh if you're like this kind of sounds neat but don't have the spare uh scratch for it I, I i think it'd be okay to trade weight on this one uh dante cook thank you for your super chat saying hey tiffany i just wanted to keep the lights on well i appreciate that they're a little darker today. Um, really hope style gets better real soon. You're doing you're doing spectacular. Well, thank you. I miss having the the rapport. I need the rapport. No rapport. It's okay. I'll 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 do what I can here. Um, but next week's show is going to be even better. I hope. <laughs> um, I also wanted to give a, a quick shout out to a book this week. Um, this is Harbinger number one. Uh, this is Sal's copy of it. As you can see, Valiant, our friends over at Valiant Entertainment were very kind enough to send us this one and 250 metal variants um, of this book. Sal really enjoyed this book. He wouldn't plug it if he didn't like it, but he did. Um, he, he enjoyed the first issue quite a bit. I, the art in this looks great. I can't wait to to get a read on this. I didn't realize this was at the studio, but it has been here. So I haven't had a chance to read it myself. Um, Sal says this is a, this issue is a great introduction to a totally different side of the Valiant universe from Shadow Man, which makes the whole universe seem bigger, but connected. Love this intro and can't wait for more. Unfortunately, this issue is Sal's, but the next time if they give us a nice fun cover, he promises he will get pass it on to you guys, but he liked this cover way too much to share. So I'm sorry, everybody. This is going to be ours. But you can go pick up your own copy of The Harbinger. All right. I did it. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's chat about, um, I think I think I've all done Sal's things. This amazing Daredevil, DC, Task Force C. Let's talk about Inferno. Let's talk about the thing we came about uh, here to talk about. Let's be honest. What did we come to talk about? We talked talk about Inferno. And whew, this issue. This issue of Inferno just, uh, you know, I'm just, this issue of Inferno, by the end of it, I was like, I hate Mystique, but I love Mystique. But like, it was just so good. So good. Written by Jonathan Hickman with art, not by Pepe Larraz, um, by someone else. And I can't remember who it was, but it still looked really good. It looked different, but it looked really good. Um, I, here's what I really like about this, uh, this event, this entry into uh, Hickman's X-Men. Hickman spent a lot of time lovingly building up these characters in this world and, um, creating questionable decisions by our heroes, our villains, um, 
creating great opportunities for them, heroic moments for all of them, all in the service, honestly, of the greater good of Krakoa and for mutantdom. And because of the fact that they happen to know many alternate versions of the future of, of mutantdom. But now we're getting to watch Hickman undo it. And it, there's something fascinating about a creator being able to, in a um, ongoing series of like in the big two, to build something up like this beautifully and then literally start to pull at these threads and pull like the tapestry apart because that's what it feels like is happening. It's unraveling a little bit. Um, and it's terrifying and exciting and just, just excellent. It's just so well done, but I hate it, but I hate it so much because I'm really enjoying this and I want them to succeed, but I know it's more interesting if they don't. <laughs> um, so needless to say, listen, if you haven't been uh, up on um, Inferno, Mystique wants her wife back and she gets her back. But Destiny's never supposed to come back because Moira said no to that because Destiny threatened Moira in a past life. And so now Destiny is back and she's on the Quiet Council because Mystique took care of that by ensuring certain votes from certain individual on the Quiet Council. And so Destiny now sits literally where Apocalypse used to. So I maybe Apocalypse will come back at some point and be like, get out. No. Um, but yeah, they. Xavier and Magneto have done everything that Moira asked, and then they've done more than that because they have taken it out upon themselves because simultaneously, the only reason they're succeeding is because of Moira's knowledge of things. Um, but they're also like kind of doing their own thing and they've kept her out of a lot of, of decisions that they've made. And they've certainly kept her out of a lot of, um, choices. So like not only decisions, cause decisions like, you know, like, oh, we have to this or that or whatever, but like the choice of like, we're going to create a racco <laughs> and it's going to be great. We're going to take Mars. We're going to colonize it. Like, I don't really feel as though that they've brought Moira in enough. And I think part of that too, is that she wants to separate herself to some degree so that it's less obvious that she's there, but also because they can't second guess too, too much or they won't do anything. We've talked about that. If you know everything like destiny would know, um, can you ever actually make a decision? Can you ever actually make the right decision or no matter what will you be making the decision that will lead you down destruction or success or whatever? Um, so now they have to face the fact that destiny is not only alive, but she's part of the decision-making process of Krakoa. And as such, um, they have to go to Moira and reveal that to her. And Moira is of course, none too happy about that. And they feel like the only way to deal with this is Moira wants her dead. She's like, just kill her. It's fine. They're not down for that. Although, um, like, Eric's like, yeah, but like, listen, like, I get it. Like, I, I'm not like squeamish or anything, but like for like the good of Krakoa, I don't think that's the way to go. So instead, what they decided to do is bring someone else in on, in the inner circle. So the inner circle really just being Magneto and Xavier and Moira. And so they're going to look to Emma and they bring her in and they have Emma read Moira's mind. And it doesn't quite go the way they want it to go. Instead, She's like, I get it because she ended up voting for Destiny being there because Mystique brought her something that she desperately wanted. Um, and so now that she knows the truth, she's like, I get it. But like, you've completely lost my trust because you didn't trust me to begin with. And so instead of it being like a moment of like, we're bringing you in and you're like the first person we've ever brought in. And isn't that really cool? Instead, she's like, no, and I will literally never trust you again. And I'm like, well, I mean, if Moira dies and they reset the universe, no, it's, it's different. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but for now, yeah, they've, they've kind of lost Emma. And like Emma was a big part of this and she really has come a long way. I really like her character in the X titles across the board. Just a savvy businesswoman and someone who's really fighting for something she believed in. But... Um, now I don't know how hard she's going to fight or if she'll fight even harder and possibly to pull away from Charles and Eric because I'm afraid that this is going to fracture them even more. So what they realize then is that 
we probably should have brought someone in that we trusted because they wanted to bring Emma in because they're like, no, she can handle it. But they're like, no, maybe we should have brought someone in we trusted. And so the last reveal of that is that who they're going to bring in? Colossus. Now, if you're reading X-Force, you know this is a horrible mistake. <laughs> this here is a terrible mistake because right now Colossus is very much under the control of another individual. And um, I don't know if this will be set prior to or after what's going on in X-Force, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing how that all plays out because the fact is it's like Colossus is a well-respected and trusted member of the X-Men and of the mutant community. And then to like know, we know as we're looking at it at the very least that it's like, mm, but he's, he's being like, someone's writing stories here and he's doing actions he would never do. Um, and to have him come in and be like, yep, this is it. This is the heart of the council now. Don't worry, everybody. Colossus is here. Um, it, this was such a great ep like issue, and it just killed me. It killed me how well written the like potential downfall for the X-Men could be, or for, for Krakoa could be. It was just, just heartbreaking and amazing. Um, <laughs> so... I, Listen, if you haven't been reading Inferno, go back, grab the first issue. It's just, it's just a, it's a tour de force. It's fantastic. It does feel different. I know Sal said that, that like there is a difference between like everyone else writing on the X-Men and the way Hickman writes the X-Men. And he's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I mean, he is getting to dissect his own work and, um, you know, he's, he's the, he's the, the puppet master pulling all of the, the strings here. Um, but I just really felt it in this issue. And it's funny this this issue really made me think about the fact that what Charles and Eric and Moira are doing seems so heartless, um, but like, you know, also egotistical. They're like, oh, no, we can do this because we're amazing. At the same time, I can't imagine being Moira and then trying to just live your life knowing what you know, knowing that, you know, all of the people could potentially die and you did nothing to help them because, you know, you can't. So I get why she would act like this and I get why she would act so cold and, and calculating because the, the other option is to do nothing. You know, you either do something and, you know, you, you feel as though you have to have utter control because no one else could possibly understand what it is that you have been through and what you know. Um, and I think it, it would it might be worse for her to do nothing. I think that's more of a monstrous act. Um Maybe. I, I don't know, honestly. Uh, I will say what Sal said about it was, I'm on the edge of my seat. Just He just absolutely really loved this. He, he That was the one thing he asked before he left. He's like, did you read Inferno? I'm like, yeah. I hate Mystique. I hate her. But I get it. Like, she doesn't understand. She doesn't understand why Destiny can't be brought back. You know, like, she just keeps being sent out on these missions of, like, knowing, they send her out knowing that she'll fail because they don't want to bring her back. And she's just like, I understand. Like, legion is back and you know exodus is here and you know we've got like a million sinisters and apocalypse got to be with his like long lost family but like you can't bring back my wife so i get it but at the same time I'm like come on <laughs> just stop mystique just stop uh TNV900, thank you so much for your super chat saying it's early for Rex, but are you planning on picking up The Rush by Spurrier and Goad? I've heard good things as a horror story during the gold rush. Maybe um, it depends. Like, listen, I, I really like Ty Spurrier's work and I probably will pick it up, but, and I don't want to like kill it by trade waiting. Um, but usually the writer alone isn't enough for me. Uh, it was enough for me to test it out, but I don't know, the gold rush, yay, nay, I don't know. Uh, I also forgot to mention that I also read Darkhold Blade this week uh, because Darkhold Iron Man was so great. This was not as good. It was fine. It was not as good. Darkhold Iron Man gave me some, like, super, um, like, like high hopes for the horror that we would see in these Darkhold tie-in books. Um, this is written by Daniel Kibblesmith by Federico Sabatini. There's nothing wrong with this. There's literally nothing wrong with this book at all. Totally different universe. Um art is really hyper stylized looks very cool but having come off of what i thought was going to be the kind of like thread throughout these or this like horrific look at like a character that would drive you crazy i didn't feel like this is what would drive blade crazy um that iron man one where it's like it's just body horror and terrible like 
yeah, I get that. But this, this was fine. Citizen V is in it. So, you know, you got that going for you. Uh, it's a team of a Citizen V, Prowler, and uh, Silver Sable. So that's interesting. Amadeus Cho is a vampire. A bunch of other characters became vampires in this. It's it's in a, it's another vampire book. It's another vampire book in, in a week where we had a big vampire book. Um, but yeah, it just didn't have that punch. It didn't have that like that gut punch that the other one did. Uh, so I don't know if I can say I recommend it for sure. Um, maybe if you're a big Blade fan or you just like Sabatini's art because it really is stunning looking. Uh, very, very colorful, very like, like I said, stylized, kind of cool. I will say, Kingpin as a vampire, not okay. Do you remember in Blade the big one? Yeah, it's that, but Kingpin, it's gross and bad. Um, but if you liked the uh, Darkhold Iron Man book, and we're looking for more of that. You're not going to find it in this issue, so I would say pass it for then. Um, but I will absolutely check out the um, the other uh, entries in this, just because now I'm like, okay, obviously it's all different um, creative teams. Maybe one of them will be like Darkhold Iron Man. Next one, I think, coming up is Wasp. So I will probably check that out and, and report back on you. But for this one, for me, this one was a little bit of a miss. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. Okay, let's see. What do we got? Uh, Panico Mundial? I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Thank you for your super chat saying, what is wrong with telepaths like Professor X and Jean Grey that can't detect Shadow King and New Mutants onslaught and voting for Colossus to join the Quiet Council when he was mind-controlled to kill his girlfriend on X-Force? So I don't know if that isn't like a... Um, like with the telepaths, I know they are working for certain things, but I know there's also like a certain level of trust they seem to have in order to like keep things copacetic on Krakoa. Because honestly, if you have telepathy, like you have a, you've got a, an edge on everybody. And that could be very, very disconcerting and not foster a sense of trust in your island uh, community government and like future for mutants. So I think what it is, is that they try not to do it too, too often, unless it's necessary to do so. Um, the fact is like hope didn't seem to notice that it wasn't actually Xavier there uh, giving her the helmet to try to do that on her own, which I thought was pretty a brilliant use of mystique's power. Thus, really cementing in just how dangerous mystique can really be because sometimes i think to myself i'm like yeah but like she can't shoot lasers out of her eyes or you know concussive blasts so to speak or doesn't have like knives shooting out of some various part of your of your body but no but like she can impersonate someone and to like some into individuals who don't have the abilities like a Logan, for example, or apparently a Mr. Sinister to recognize uh, an actor or to a, a scent, uh, it's dangerous. And so she's able to utilize her powers and get her wife back in that way. But I think if they had a more stringent, like, no, you have to use, people have to be checked. First of all, it wouldn't be as like free feeling as Krakoa really is. Um, and it would end up it, it probably would like save a lot of, of these issues that they're that they're facing right now, but could create a whole lot more, a whole lot more of, of issues in terms of um, government and privacy and and all of that, which is is obviously a thing that we face daily uh, in our lives in terms of like you know like Google. With your, it's like your worst nightmare with your browser history, except it's your brain. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. Got to have incognito mode at some point, right? Um, let's see, Axe, uh, thank you for your super chat saying, hi, Tiffany, how have you been? Love from Mexico. Well, thank you so much and love to Mexico. I've been very good. Um, just try to plug along with this show on my own. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Those were all the books that I had an opportunity to read this week. I literally have a bag sitting at home. I just didn't get the opportunity to, including House of Slaughter number one, Maw number one. And um, that um, Tim Sale uh, uh, Long Halloween, like, two thing that they did. I didn't even get a chance to. Oh, there's a Sal. There's a Sal in the waiting room. I guess I'll bring him on. Eh. Hello. Hi. <laughs> 
I noticed that we're back. To, we're, we're getting to the recommendations section. We are getting to the recommendation section. This is the part of the show where we recommend books. Yay. Hang on. So but I, first, I'm going to do a super chat from Lee Allen that says, Hey, Tiff, <clears> do you have a personal favorite Hellblazer run? It's probably the Ennis run. I like the Delano. Let's not get me wrong. Um, and I love Spurrier quite a bit. I think Spurrier's run is is really benefits from the years of John having stories told about him. I, I think it, it's as it's successful because he recognizes everything John has been through. Um, same with Ennis, but that Ennis run is just such a gut punch. So good though. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've been killing it, Tiffany. Way to go, hosting your own episode of Off the Rack all by yourself. Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, give her a big round of applause. Thank no. you so much, Tiffany, for doing all this. <laughs> Let's jump into some recommendations, unless you have any other books you want to talk about. Nope, that's it. <laughs> all right. Well, before I go, because I'm just going to dro drop out when I'm done here, but uh, okay. I got to recommend Dark Knights of Steel, number one, from Tom Taylor and Yasmin Putri. Uh, I'll try anything once. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of trying anything once, uh, you know that Superman Authority book from Garth Ennis? Well, uh -huh. or, uh, Garth Ennis from Grant Morrison? Well, uh, uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is going to try it his, his own way with Jonathan Glapion on art with Batman Superman Authority special where Superman and the Authority have teamed up. But Batman calls up because, because Batman. And uh, so we'll see. This will be like my last shot for PKJ. As far really? as whether I actually like him as an art as a writer or not, because <laughs> I'm not a huge fan, and uh, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, and finally, Human Target number one from Tom King and Greg Smallwood is coming out tomorrow. Yeah, that's it's going to be great. I mean, maybe. I, I hope so. I can't believe that he's going like he's like, you know, Strange Avengers just ended. Yes. And he's like, yeah. I got here's the next one. Yeah, I know. And then he's got the uh, the independent book, which is coming out uh, after that, which he has teased. Maybe maybe Mitch Jarrods is on it. I don't know. We'll see. I hope so. Uh, I will say we'll find we'll get uh, we'll, we're going to get some some light at the, on that independent series because uh, Tom's coming by on Tuesday, the 9th uh, to Elseworlds Exchange to talk about his book uh, that no one knows anything about. And uh, we're going to get into it. So we'll see how that goes. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, outside of that, I just want to uh, thank everybody for being cool, for giving Tiffany the floor, and uh, Tiffany especially for holding down the fort while I'm not feeling well. I did a lie down. Uh, it's been it's been great. Uh, sitting here has been pretty okay, but getting up, no. Uh, but it'll be all better by tomorrow morning. Exactly. Uh, and I, I do not want anyone to be turned off by the idea of doing their boosters or getting their vaccines. Definitely yeah. get vaccinated and get boosted. Uh, and uh, so, you know, so that you can then go to the, cause here's the thing. I have not gotten COVID and I went to New York comic-con and Baltimore comic-con mm -hmm. and that party, which would have been a hotbed if they didn't take the precautions. Yeah. And I took every precaution. Yeah. And I was still able to be social. And the only illness I'll have is feeling kind of crappy right now for like a maybe 11 hour period. Yeah. No, that's it. Not yeah, a bad sure. price to pay for spider piece. Anyway, thanks a lot for hanging out with me. Uh, Tiffany, you can end the show. I'll, uh, okay. I'll see you next. I'll see you when you get home. I, you, I will. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Later. Bye. All right. I'm going to say, uh, Elijah Bowers, thank you for your super chat saying, it's not a problem, but please check your Twitter message, Tiffany and Sal. I did. And we chatted there. Uh, Deb N, thank you for your super chat saying, Sal, you're back from a Kryptonian healing tube. It was a healing coma for him. And you're wearing black. Hopefully you don't have to deal with clones. Here's to the hardest working. I'm going to say that there's more to that, and I'll keep an eye out in the regular uh, chat there. Um, before we head out, I also want to give my quick recommendations. Um, Couple things uh, coming out, especially in the indie scope. Uh, the Me You Love in the Dark number four is coming out. Oh God, I don't need to wear these anymore. What am I doing? I don't need those. The Me You Love in the Dark number four is coming out. Uh, Silver Coin number six. Remember the Silver Coin series from Mike Walsh? Uh, he had a bunch of uh, writers and creators on there. Um, well, get this, folks. Josh Williamson's on this one. So if you like Josh Williamson. You can go check out Silver Coin number six. Each issue is done by a different team. So 
yeah, this time around, it's going to have Josh Williamson, Vita Ayala, Matt Rosenberg, and Ram V. So a lot of like heavy hitters on that one. Also want to say the Magic Order 2, number one, is coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Written by Mark Miller with Arbor Stewart Eminem. Is this? Yes. Yes. Uh, to finish up that super chat from before, it was the hardest working channel. Thank you so much. <laughs> Got it. Uh, also want to say uh, Batman Reptilian number five, one of the weirdest comics I'm reading right now. And that cover, yeah, solid, solid reference there to some um, famous art. So check that out. An amazing fantasy number four with what looks like Tiny Storm as like, is it the Death Dealer? Is that the guy on the big horse? You know what I'm talking about? Famous fantasy art. Yeah. Yes, Magic Order is getting a sequel and Silver Coin is coming back all in the same week. All in the same week. So, yes. That's, that's, that's all I got, everybody. I want to say super big shout out to all of you for being here and for being cool and sticking around with me on a solo show. Um, very much miss Sal and he will be back next week. We'll have a totally normal show there. Um, but here's the thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I could not, um, make Sal come out here and do this. He just wasn't feeling good. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I can, I can do this question mark on that one. Um, but I gave him a, a good shot. The old college try, if you will, you guys say that, right? It's, it's cool. It's cool. I'm cool. Right No. Um, but I very much appreciate each and every one of you for being here, for hanging out with us. Um, don't forget if you haven't already, if you're just finding us for the first time, hi, welcome. Um, uh, you're welcome to comic pop returns sister channel to comic pop, uh, where we do a lot of, uh, comic book reviews, comic book podcasts, and a couple of other shows on here. Uh, it's a great little community. Love all of you guys over here. Uh, so you, if you want to give us a subscribe and a like, and make a comment below all of those things supposedly help and we appreciate each and every one of you for doing it um but again seriously guys thanks for hanging out thank you very much for supporting keeping the chat going and for being overall very cool i will see you next week with sal have a great rest of your evening bye <laughs>